Hello, Dr. Tim Jordan here, and we're back with another episode of Raising Daughters. And if you're the kind of parent who wants to be an influence in your daughter's life now and forever, then you're in the right place. And you're especially in the right place today because I have a guest that we're going to do an interview. And we're going to talk today about money, about teaching kids about money. And uh, this, uh, this is an author. His name is Jim Degatano. And he lives in Pennsylvania and he wrote a book uh, called, it's called Larry, let me make sure I got that right. I don't want to, I want to botch it up. Larry the bunny saves, saves his money. And he, he's a, he's a, Jim is a, is the president of a, of an, uh, of a company called Diamond Wealth Advisors. And he's done a lot of work uh, with Junior Achievement as well, which is a program that, that works with kids in, I think, third grade through high school, talking about money and business and things like that. So he's got some, a lot of experience around money with adults and wealth advisement and all that, but also with young people. And so he wrote this book. Now, actually, I'll ask him why he wrote the book, but he wrote the book, I think, to help with a process that, that sort of was prompted by his experience with adults. So welcome to, to Raising Daughters, Jim. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you so much, Jim. I appreciate it. Thanks yeah, for so, having me. Yeah. So tell me about your inspiration. What caused you to sort of do this? Well, it, as a financial professional, I'm, I'm really much aware, keenly aware of the statistics, which basically say that over 80% of Americans are ill-prepared for the retirement they envision. And the reason, overwhelmingly, people are successful financially is their behavior. That is the primary determinant of success financially, uh, as well as many other things in life. But if you kind of peel back the, the layers of this, it really kind of makes sense. We're not taught about money in high school. It's not part of our national curriculum. Um, some states do have it, but it's not a uniform thing. Uh, and then in, unless you study accounting or finance in college, how are you going to learn? So it really comes down to your first teacher, which is your parents. Or you come across someone as an adult that, that, that may be an advisor like myself that can help educate or wonderful nonprofits. So uh, having young kids myself, I completely understand uh, certain techniques. And I do that to help my, uh, when I wrote this four and six-year-old, now my daughter's seven, uh, learn about money. But more and more that I read suggests, hey, I'm, I'm on a podcast, okay? All right. Hey. I know. Hey, uh, we will. Okay. All right. Maybe she should be teaching us about money right now. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Welcome to welcome to raising daughters. I'm this Tim. Doctor Tim. Yes. Hi. All nice right. Hey, sweetie. I'll be out. I'll be out in a few minutes. Okay. Can I go read your book? You can go read my book. Yes. <laughs> wow, he's making his daughter read his book. <laughs> Sorry. Hard parenting. <laughs> Oh my! To go on your thought, I yeah. I was talking to a high school senior girl recently, mm -hmm. and she was talking about college and thinking about what major she wants to do. She's always thought she wanted to be a teacher, but but recently she's been thinking about how you can in her mind you can't make much money being a teacher. And then she said to me, she said, you know, I don't want to struggle like my parents. Mm. My mom is a teacher in a in a parochial school, doesn't make much money. And her dad is uh, works outdoors in a landscaping kind of job, doesn't make much mm. money. And so she's watched them struggle. This is mm. all in her mind. Watch them struggle financially. There's never enough money, always tension, concern about money in the house. So she said, I don't want that life. Mm. But but the other part of it's like, but I don't know how to create another kind of life. That's all I've seen. I think that's what mm -hmm. you're saying. It, it is. That's a great point. I mean, it, it really is. And so 
uh, again, apologize for, for my daughter walking in, but uh, that's, okay. it, that's what we're talking about, you know, raising daughters for, for all of your audience out there. And so one of the things that, that, that really I'm going to probably say a few things that jumps in your turf and your expertise, because behavior and finance go hand in hand. And a recent report by the University of Cambridge and a lot of neuroscience suggests that our habits are formed by age seven. So here we are. Uh, here I am, a finance professional with young kids, uh, understanding finance, understanding the difficulty that our educational system has and challenges in being able to provide education uh, about money and how to save. And so I'm reading and learning that you need to start much earlier to get these kids habits in line with solid financial habits. So I came up with a little system that uh, I'm starting to use with my kids and other people have been taking to it as quite well, uh, delay it, play it and say it with regards to teaching your kids about money. And the la that last part, say it, uh, I started looking at books out there that I could read to my kids and, and there's just, Tim, there's not a lot out there. Yeah. And so I wrote one. Uh, Larry, the bunny saves his money, as you said before. Now, again, I want to say that it's not gender specific. It can easily be Larry, the bunny saves her money. It just, it's just <laughs> how it came out. And I wrote the book as a male. I just put his. So, yeah. so don't be offended. It is his or her. It's fine. <laughs> um, but, but people liked it. So I've decided to share it with the world. And I'm kind mm -hmm. of excited about the response that, that we've gotten so far. When you talk about habits, what, be more specific so our, our listeners know what talk, you're talking about as far as money habits. Yeah, so I'll start with the first thing that when I say delay it, play it and say it. Um, habits are things that you do automatically. Your brain has just got adjusted to doing it. Think about how we drive. If you really think about it, we're driving 60 miles an hour on a highway with a very complex machine. We just do it simply. We, don't, we can talk on the phone. I'm not saying we should, but you can talk on the phone while you're driving and have a conversation and still drive this very complex machinery because we've done it so many times. It's just a habit, right? So the idea is to build these habits when they're young. Otherwise, if they're not built, they have to break. So delay it. To be successful as an investor, you have to delay gratification now. Well, wait, wait, wait. For delay later. gratification. Uh, uh, you yep. talk. Whoa, you sure we're going to have to go that far? <laughs> that's a, that's uh, a tough pill to swallow for a lot of kids and parents today. I think that's without a doubt. Yeah, but a lot of kids are not getting even compared to 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Well, cell phones, uh, it, it, they have that's a whole you could write a book on the topic of, of technology and uh, mm -hmm. attention spans, I'm sure. But, but yes, there is so much information that's competing for attention right now that we want it. I'll, I'll give you an example. With my son, he wants to play with me literally <laughs> every second of the day. And then my daughter comes and she wants to play as she just did. She, we're, yeah. It's snowing outside. <laughs> Daddy, I don't care about the podcast. I want to play, right? <laughs> and so what I've used is I just say, I'd love to play with you. Give me five minutes. Um, and of course, if I'm busy doing something for a, a period that's longer, I would say that. But we have to somehow instill patience because patience leads to discipline. Discipline can turn into very good money habits because if you don't have discipline and you want it right now, the competition is Walmart, is Target, is the grocery store, is Amazon. And there's nothing wrong with any of those places. 
but you need to save first before you spend. And getting in at, at that age when we're raising, you know, young daughters, we just got to get them in that habit. And that's what we that's what we do. So so um, it is hard delaying gratification, uh, but just good it, parenting it, yeah, helps. Yeah. But it means for all of us as parents, it means we have to see our kids maybe be unhappy. Yes. <laughs> uh, not like us, um, struggle, all those kinds of things. And we have to allow that, don't we? We do. That, that's a great point. I, I, I look back at my own childhood and there was many times that I um, probably said out loud, I hated my dad or I hated my mom because I didn't get exactly what I wanted. And of course, you know, it comes back around when you have kids and you start understanding the lessons that were put in front of you. And and I wouldn't say it's harder nowadays uh, than it would have been 20 or 30 years ago. It's just different. The same rules apply. Uh, kids need to follow a certain discipline, a certain standard. Uh, that's that's helpful uh, as we become adults and we're teaching our kids. I mean, how can we expect a kid that's been given everything to change and not want everything when they get out in the world? They're going to expect that they get hired for their first job, that they get a promotion when they ask. They're not going to be able to handle um, diversity and challenges, adversity um, when it comes up. One of the reasons I love sports and other extracurricular activities is they understand preparation. They know how to win, but they also understand that you lose sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of life. You can't proceed without without failure at times. You know, I'm not sure if this has been your experience or not with all the people you advise um, and we're, uh, we're talking uh, to Jim DeCatano, by the way, the author of, of a new book for kids called Larry the Bunny Saves His Money. One of the things I have noticed, I read an article or saw a podcast or something several years ago that basically basically was comparing uh, millennials to like uh, older, the older generations. And one of the things that they found was that in their research was that uh, I'm, I'm going to get these figures a little bit off, but the average adult who was like today in their 50s, 60s, 70s, that by the time they were 40, they had had on average, I think it was like five or six jobs or something like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas millennials are switching jobs much more often. And so they're, what they had found is that they already had, you know, changed jobs like 10 times by the time they were 40, <laughs> way more than, than previous generations. But why, I wrote a blog about this. Well, I found what I find is even more different about the two generations is that is the number of jobs that people have had before they're 18. Mm -hmm. And when I ask a room full of adults, which I've done dozens and dozens of times, mm -hmm. how many of you before the age of 18, how many of you before the age of 12 had a job? Almost everybody raises their hand, or at least by the time you're in high school, almost everybody. Mm -hmm. And I asked that same room, how many of your middle school schoolers and high schoolers have you allowed to have a job? almost nobody's hand goes up. And I'm wondering if you're finding the same thing as, as one of the uh, ways to teach kids about money is they have to have a job and they have to make money. <laughs> that, that's a great point. Uh, there's a clear generational differences that, that will come. And you, you wonder what the, 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 the millennials kids are going to, what their differences are going to be, of course, you know, in the future. But uh, you're right. And there's a variety of reasons for the change in jobs. Uh, loyalty is one. Uh, the pension system is another. Uh, our current environment doesn't offer pensions. So if, if you, for example, if you look at government workers in the military right now, state workers in many, they have pensions. They usually stay for a long period of time. Even the younger millennials that are working there plan on staying a long time because in return, they're getting their, for every day they work, they're earning 
a day of retirement. Uh, the, that's 90% of the, the, the workers nowadays, though, do not get that type of pension system. So in return, I think unconsciously, if the firms aren't going to provide some sort of loyalty, then the employees are saying, well, why should we? Um, and, and so that kind of comes into play a little bit. But, but moving forward on the, on the uh, not having jobs, how can we as parents expect our kids to go out in the workforce and manage money well if they've never had to do it ever? Yeah. You, you just can't. And so the way you do that is you teach when they're three, four, five, six, seven, you just teach about money. You talk about it. It's a conversation because they're learning sequentially. This than that, cause and effect. That's how kids learn. And so uh, if, if I cry enough as a baby, mommy comes, right? Daddy comes. So I'm going to cry if I need them. And then kids continue to do that. So what, what the book is saying is just save. And that's a good thing. Save and you can have a good life, right? That's all they need to know at that stage. But then as they get older, then you start saying, all right, well, how are they going to earn money? Because that's what you have to do in life. You need to earn money because that's what it costs to live. So you're either going to provide some sort of allowance, which is more of a gifting technique. I would provide, I would suggest you might want to think of something that's over and above the standard um, for extra chores they can do. Or if there's certain standard chores that kids need to do, if they do them well and on time without harass, without you having to remind them multiple times, then they can get a star or then they could receive some sort of money that could go in one of their save, share, and spend buckets. But then as they become young teenagers, number one, if you're a business owner, hire your kid. Hire them to do filing, hire them to do something, right? And, and, and that gives them a dollar and, and you can put away. If you're gonna pay them, you know, let's just say you're gonna pay them 10 bucks. Maybe you say, here's what I'll do, I'll pay you five bucks, but if you save it, I'll give you an extra five bucks. So in a sense, they're getting 10, that's what you wanted to pay them. And what you're teaching them is the current system of saving in our world. You put in, a company will match that, so you want to do that. Um, if you don't run a business, uh, there are. It is really. I can tell you, when I was in the service world, uh, retail, as a as a as a waiter growing up, and just serve, that is a wonderful profession to put your kids in when they are old enough to go to work because they learn how to serve, and real leaders actually serve. So they're learning true leadership, but they're also dealing with the world and people aren't going to be happy at you. They're going to, they're going to yell at you and you have to learn conflict management. And so I think having a job is very, very important. Opening up a bank account as soon as possible is very important. I can't tell you how many parents have said, you know, banks used to have these, these passport savings things they, that we bring in when we were kids and we would get started and it was so exciting. And I don't see a lot of that anymore yeah. for some reason. Uh, and, and one of the things that is very, very important why we teach our kids about money early, Tim, it's going to be a virtual world for them. So mm -hmm. most adults, young adults that use uh, virtual money, uh, they don't reconcile bank accounts. All they do is they print out an ATM receipt to look and see how much money is in there. Yeah. They don't necessarily know what's, what's outstanding, what's in float, these things. And it can cause money issues because it's very easy to spend a lot, even though it's a little here and there and there, and you, you've gotten off budget, right? Yeah. We used to give our kids an allowance starting when they were probably about six or seven. And we, we, we decided not to tie it to chores or anything. Mm -hmm. We wanted them to have money. 
Yeah. Because how can you learn about money unless you have money? Yeah. And so, but when we went to the dollar store and they said, I want that, we say, great, use your money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we went, I remember one time, one of our sons, uh, my youngest son, John, I think he was, he was young. And we went to uh, Toys R Us when there was a Toys R Us to buy a <laughs> present for one of his buddies for a birthday party. And he saw, I remember, he, like it was yesterday, he saw a Lego pirate ship. And he said, mm-hmm. oh, I want to buy that. And we, and we said to him, great, go for it. I said, we're not willing to pay for it, but you, sh- you can use your money. We said, how much does it cost? He, he said, I don't know. We said, well, you might want to check it out. <laughs> it was like 75 bucks. <laughs> he came back to this, like looking kind of pale, like it's $75. But you know, there's a lesson, right? That's mm-hmm. how much it costs. So if you want it, you'll have to delay gratification, save your money and blah, blah, blah. Maybe do some extra jobs around the house or the neighborhood or something if you really want it. So I, I, I'm thinking those are some of the habits or experiences you're you're trying to engender in, in kids and parents with your book, Larry the Bunny Saves His Money. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. So Larry, uh, just to kind of give your, your, your audience a little bit more of the gist of the book, Larry gets paid in carrots. <laughs> okay, so Larry's this cute bunny uh, and he gets paid in carrots. He gets 10 carrots a month and he always learns the wise words that his dad taught him, which was every time you work and get your pay, save two carrots for another day. And we use two carrots specifically because that's 20%. And we kind of suggest that 20 cents on every dollar that you make as an adult, 5% goes into savings, 5% is into the insurances that you have to pay, and 10% into the investments for your future security, which results in paying yourself $2 on every hundred you make, two cents on every dollar you make. And so Larry then goes on to, um, he has an uncle, Sam, uh, that... uh, uh, keeps that runs the town and it costs three carrots to keep it clean and sound. Uh, so uh, they learn a little bit that you have to give into the system and that's appropriate. That's part of the deal. Yeah. Uh, groceries, houses, and, and everything actually, the percent uh, fits well for adults. So that's kind of how it, it, it goes in so that the yeah. kid, but at the end of the day, uh, Larry lives a, a wonderful life because he, he saved first. That's the whole, whole message there. And which is, I think it's great. It, it, I, I read the book. It's really cute. And <laughs> then when you're in the store and you want to impart a message, you can go back to the book and say, remember in the book when Larry, blah, 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 this is kind of like that. Yeah, you're right. Actually, I'll give you an example, uh, Tim. So my daughter who was here earlier uh, to start the podcast, uh, she got some money from one of the grandparents. And uh, I said, what are you going to do with the money? And she looks at me and she says, I said, what's the first thing you're going to do with the money? And she looks at me and says, daddy, I know Larry, the bunny saves his money. And so <laughs> she, she just, you got know, it. it just, it just right. So she got it. So we have a, a saving bucket, a sharing bucket and, and a spending bucket. And most recently she was talking just like your story with your kids uh, about something she wanted to buy. I can't remember exactly what it was. And, and when I told her it was, it was $10, she kind of gave me this look yeah. like, whoa, whoa uh, daddy, I'm not paying for that. And I said, so you expect me to pay for that? Yeah. So it, it really does bring the point across in, in a kind of simple way. Uh, so, so yes, it is not an easy thing to do. I know I struggle as a father doing it. But I, when I first had my daughter, I, I was given this book called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. I don't know who wrote it, but um, it basically was, uh, was that you have to have some tough love with your kids and you can't give your kids everything. Uh, because daughters are looking for a strong father to be there, uh, help them during difficult times in life. And so 
Um, sometimes that means teaching them about money and, and understanding that there are restrictions we have to have. Money doesn't grow on a tree. Uh, and so, but one of the things I would never do is, is suggest for my daughter to not go in a career that fits her skills or her talents or something she loves. Even if it doesn't pay a lot of money, that doesn't mean she can't live a fruitful life. She still can save a couple dollars first and be just fine. I know plenty of teachers that have gone on to have wonderful lives and, 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 and countlessly helped many, many students, but been able to save and, 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 sure. and have money in the future. Um, you know, I, my kids are in their 30s, so I have the, the benefit of yeah. hindsight, I guess, Meaning, <laughs> yeah. I, I, along the way, because we, th we, we went like with this money thing, we kind of, I think we did sort of the Larry the Bunnies, say this money kind of philosophy. Mm -hmm. And there were times when they, they weren't too happy because we didn't just buy the Lego pirate mm -hmm. ship or whatever. But I remember like when they went off to college, they'd come home and tell us these kids at, at college have never done their laundry. They've never, <laughs> they've never balanced a checkbook. They've never had to pay for things or say anything. And they, they started to see, you know, the value that, that they won't tell you that maybe when they're eight and they're mm -hmm. in the store saying, why can't I have my pirate ship? But, but as they get older, they'll be able to look back and they'll appreciate that you, you set them up. I think that's a great point. And uh, that's what I tend to see. Uh, and, and let's, let's be honest. I think most parents are pretty realistic. At least this is what I found about their kids and humans in general are wired to make bad decisions about money. Uh, they, they are, it's, it is aversion loss and there's a variety of technical terms for it, but we are, we are not wired to be smart about money and certain kids, one will be a saver. One will be a spender. If you got two kids, that's just yeah. how it goes. Frankly, when it comes to, to marriages, that tends to be actually a really good fit, a saver and a spender. Uh, if you have two savers, uh, they, they, they seem to not have a lot of fun. Uh, they have very difficult, I'm just kidding. They, they actually have a very difficult time spending their money in retirement. And I have to do a lot of counseling uh, to actually get them to take that step to spend money because they're so habitually used to saving. And if you have two spenders, well, they're probably never gonna save or retire. So they're, they're never gonna get to that point. Yeah. But um, with kids, you can kind of have that. And so you, you might have to do some different techniques with with uh, each of your children just due to their propensity to to how they accept your thoughts about money and saving. Yep, you know, some of the lessons that you talk about in Larry, Larry the Bunny saves his money is to delay it, uh, play it, say it. I have another one for you display it, i.e. model it. And I, me I remember growing up as a kid, I grew up in what I, I would say was a scarcity or a lack men a mentality when it came to money, because uh, I have seven siblings and my dad was in the car business, uh, uh, sales manager, general manager. So everything was predicated upon, like my mom, my dad would come home at 10, 15 at night. And the first mm -hmm. question on my mom's mouth was, how many cars did you sell? <laughs> it was like it was like day by day how many cars and so there was like in you know right right um absorbed was there's never enough there's yeah. not enough and if i so if my i had two older brothers so i lived on hand-me-downs and so if my shoes my football shoes had holes in them i would say hey, mom i need a new pair of football shoes what i got back was who do you think your father is nelson rockefeller do you think money grows on trees <laughs> i got this whole litany of things which told me there's never going to be enough and so mm -hmm. I carried that into my adulthood mm -hmm. and I had to work at sort of switching. I did not want to have a, a scarcity mentality going forward. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have a more abundant mentality. And I'm wondering if you find that too with the people you work with. Uh, yeah, without a doubt, especially on depending on the generation. 
uh, if it's a, a, a much older client that, that was living with the Great Depression and all that, uh, they, they really have a different mentality and they want to, quote, hoard more of their money and have a difficult time spending it uh, because they've lived through that particular era. So, yeah, I, I do see uh, it really is generational of how people look about that. Now, it's also worth pointing because you made a really good point, Tim. Um, there's a certain segment of the population that just lives at a certain living wage that really just has enough to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. And that that's very hard to save. Uh, they're just getting by, right? Um, but the, 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 the saving concept is for those, there are a lot of Americans that are living and have an income much greater than a living wage and do have additional monies that just need to not spend first, but spend, spend after. And I think that's kind of the, the, the big point of the, the whole thing. Yeah, I'm wondering. Um, I'm wondering if it's true that if you want your kids to develop a more abundant mentality as opposed mm-hmm. to a scarcity lack mentality, that I think it's really important that parents are conscious, sensitive about what comes out of their mouth. Without a doubt, my mom, like my mom's vocabulary and all those things, I think that's part of. I'm not blaming her, but I think that's part of what I what I grew up with, and so that's kind of what I took with me. That's a good point. Uh, and, and I, I, you know, kind of look internally at my parents and how I was raised. Uh, let's put it this way. When I became a financial planner, my parents are like, what is that? Why, what, <laughs> why, what, why would you do that? Right. And, and our profession is not in certain countries because there isn't any additional money that people make. The countries are too poor to have a, a, a normal financial advisory type profession pop up, but in developed countries, that's the case. My parents just didn't understand why someone would do that. And they paid in cash for things. And, and it was the, we could never order a soda when we were at, at out to eat uh, yeah. because it just, so I learned wonderful frugal habits from my parents and I don't, frugal isn't cheap, you know, cheap is a mentality. Um, yeah. Frugal is looking at certain things and buying within reason. And my parents who actually are retiring here in two weeks, uh, which I have a retirement book out on Amazon as well. It's quite divine. I dedicated it to them and I had no idea that that it was going to just happen almost simultaneously. So it was really cool as a son to be able to do that. But words matter. Um, I grew up with three sisters. I have a twin sister and two younger sisters. Mm. Uh, I, you grew up with a lot of siblings, as you mentioned. And uh, one of the things I think I took away most of growing up with my sisters is that words do matter. It's actually why why I wrote the book and they can have a negative or a positive impact. And as parents, we say words unconsciously, not thinking it will have an impact and it it will. And I'll tell you, every now and then I just ask my kids, I'm like, Hey, does daddy love you? Do you know that daddy loves you? And, And they say, yeah, of course. And I said, well, why do you think that daddy loves you? And their answers change. over time. Um, One is because he plays with me or because you teach me because, so that's important to kind of grow with them. uh, But the words definitely are important. I think they need to be positive. If you want positive outcomes, you got to use positive words. That's what's going to attract abundance in your life. And and I think doing it with purpose on the back end, what's the end result? Um, We're here for a purpose and trying to find out what that is, I think only allows that particular action to be more sticky to create abundance, the action being saving first, then spending later. We're talking with Jim DeGatano. He wrote a book for kids called Larry the Bunny Saves His Money. It's a very cute book and it has some, it's a nice 
way to start teaching your kids about money. But also a lot of the lessons that, that are inherent in the book and what we're talking about, I mean, you can start teaching kids about money and it's not even about money. Things like delayed gratification and things about working, working hard, doing a good job. I mean, things such as that. I'm, I'm guessing that's probably true, right? Yeah, it is. It is. And depending on the age, uh, my kids on the younger scale, we play a lot. So my son loves cars and trucks, Tim. So he's got to go through a toll, toll booth. And dad, you know, dad's the, the toll booth operator and he's got to pay for tickets. Uh, my daughter, she at this stage will still play with dolls and Barbies at times and, and they want to go shopping. Well, guess what, Anna? That's my daughter's name. Uh, these things cost money. So how much money does, does Barbie have to, to, to buy these clothes? And, and inevitably, I will always say that cost at some point more than what Barbie has. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, to especially that, that facelift that she wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any, any, uh, we're, we're going to wrap it up here pretty, pretty soon. So any, any, uh, last advice for parents when it comes to, uh, helping their kids learn about money? Uh, well, the, the, the delay it, play it, say it. And then what you just said, which I've been using the word show it, Tim, but I might have to steal this. No, I knew you would. That's good. Because Please if do. you don't mind, I, you know, you have a really mind. I, I, I wrote it down because it rhymes. You know. It does. It's perfect. Delay it, play it, say it, and then display it. And that is the fourth part because uh, displaying it is owning it yourself. And I think that's kind of the message for parents is uh, doing just good parenting can lead to money habits, but talking about money. If you're honest about money, then you will be honest with money. And so if you're doing that with your kids, that will be the case. And then of course, displaying it, that, that's great. And displaying it doesn't mean that you're, you're throwing $1 bills out and <laughs> you know, all over the place. No, it, it means solid money habits. And uh, you, your kids will see that. They'll notice, especially when they get older. And I think that's so cool that your parent or your kids, when they got older, noticed that yeah. with, with other kids that they came across. It's also, I think part of the displaying thing, you tell me what you think about this. I think part of the displaying thing also is even without talking about money, it's, it's they're watching like with this pandemic, there's a lot of stress around jobs and loss of jobs, potential loss of jobs, yeah. blah, blah, you know, all those sorts of things. And so kids watch how we handle things that have to do with work and jobs and money and buying things and debt and all that sort of thing. So I'm guessing that it's not just sitting down with them and reading Larry, the bunny saves his money. It's also about how they see us um, living our lives uh, around that issue. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it really goes back to what you're talking about earlier uh, with your, with your mom and what she was saying, you saw, yeah. you heard these things and it goes back. So it, it, it is everything. And I, I tend to know my wife and I have these conversations that um, COVID's very serious. I mean, it's a dark disease and there's a lot going on, but there's a difference between respecting that this, this, you, you, you need to be careful and having a, a real genuine fear of living your life. Those are two different things. Yeah. And, and it, when you convert that to the mentality for your finances, many people have a fear of finances. And I'll tell you, there's a difference between adults that are in their 20s and adults in their 50s that come to me in their 20s. And they say if they say I just and they don't want to to display the appropriate behavior that leads to financial success. It's more of a want to. They don't want to 
do that. They'd rather go out on the weekends or spend their money. Whereas in their fifties or so, if they've made some poor decisions, it's not a, it's not a want to, it's a can't, it's a cannot. And they say, it's not that I don't want to, I don't feel that I can because they really have to change their habits. And um, it's almost like, you know, getting yourself physically fit. Uh, We're trying to get clients fiscally fit and Mm -hmm. it's all, it's all, you know, habitual, but going back to, and honestly, using that as an example, if I tend to find if parents are going to the gym a lot, uh, working out a lot, their kids are probably, if they eat a certain way, your kids are going to want to eat a certain way. So your lifestyle will uh, imprint upon them without a doubt. And you know, one other quick thought, I, one of the things that, that um, I think also is nice about a book um, like Larry the Bunny saves his money is you're just talking about money. I, when I was growing up, we never talked about money. <laughs> like I didn't have any idea what my parents made or what income I just, we just didn't talk about. It was just one of those mm-hmm. things. I, maybe it was just my home, but I think it's, that it was probably, probably uh, pretty common. So it's That's nice a that great you, point. Even as little kids, you can just talk about it. That's an open conversation. So it's not like this, this um, thing you're sort of shoving under the rug. That is a great point. We didn't talk about it growing up. I I didn't learn about money from, I saw them and and I saw the behaviors and certain things we could or couldn't do or were not allowed to do, but we never spoke about it. So it really wasn't until I was in, uh, in college that I had accounting and finance class that I started learning about it in the, in the wonderful compounding of interest and all this stuff and opened up my eyes. But, uh, but that is a huge thing, just being able to talk about it. Uh, but you know, if you think about it though, how would our parents have known? I, I, I mean, it's not taught in, in, in high school, elementary school, right. middle school, it's not taught in college. So, so what we're trying to do is break that kind of generational habit of not talking about money and just saying, it's okay to talk about it. Yeah. We've been talking with uh, Jim DeCatano and he is the author. He, well, first of all, he's the president of a company called Diamond Wealth Advisors, and he's been working with adults about financial advising for a while, for a long time. And more importantly, for our show, he's the author of, of a new book called Larry the Bunny Saves His Money. And where can people find that book, by the way? Uh, yeah, it is on Amazon, uh, Tim. So anyone can go on Amazon and find Larry the Bunny Saves His Money. Uh, but you can also go on Larry the Bunny Saves His uh, Larry the Bunny saves money.com. We have a video that I think you'd like. You could get on a newsletter if you're interested. And of course, you could buy the book from there. It'll take you right to Amazon. So thank you so much for having me. This was a, a fun conversation. Dr. Yeah, thank, thanks for writing the book. I, I, I agree with you. It's really hard to find materials or resources to, to get started with at least the conversation. So I'm glad that there's a book out now for young kids, even not you have to wait till they're taking a high school class. You can start when they're four five, six or even younger years of age. So thanks. Thanks for the book. And thanks so much for taking some time here on, on, uh, on our podcast uh, and for being here today, despite your snowstorm. Thank you. <laughs> this so is much. Dr. Jordan. Yeah. We'll be back in two weeks with another podcast. So I, and I hope that, uh, I hope this topic was important for you. This is a good time to start the conversations in your home. Your kids are not too young and they're not too old uh, to start the conversations and just start, you know, showing your kids and talking to your kids and giving them ideas about, about money, about, about work, about sweat equity, about saving, about tithing. All those things are such important lessons for our kids to learn. And they're just not going to pick them up unless we take the time to do that. 
Uh, thanks so much for stopping by here every two weeks uh, to listen to Raising Daughters. I'll be back in two weeks with another one. And I'll see you back then. Thanks so much for showing up. And by the way, if you like these conversations, this is a big, this might be a good one to share with your kids if they're old enough to listen. And, and please share them with your friends as well. I'll see you back here in two weeks.